and bro. This I think you're sharp. Uh, you're uh, not as. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We all realize that we are facing daunting mountains in our lives. It seems like every day, every single day, a greater peak rises in front of us, and we wonder how is it possible for us to go on? How is it possible for us to get over or around this massive mountain in our lives? Today on Viewpoint, I trust that this is going to be an encouraging program for you so that we can conquer the mountains that are rising in front of us in our lives. And indeed, they are multiplying. Some of the great mountain... Whether it's in uh, this is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Have you perhaps become somewhat weary in dealing with all of the major issues of our time? Things that, in many respects, you and I cannot do anything about. Isn't it interesting that we tend to focus on things that we can't do anything about, but the things that we can do something about, well, we're not so interested. I found that to be a constant pattern. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to take a look at something that we can do something about. We're going to take a look at what it takes to find joy in a very unique situation. It's called the empty nest. The empty nest. How many people are finding that their nest is empty no matter what? They're feeling that their marriage nest is empty, their family nest is empty, Many pastors are feeling that their congregational nest is empty. It's pretty amazing. Empty nest. One of the things that I discovered, much to my chagrin and surprise, was that if you look up the word nest, you Google the word nest, and you're going to come up with just about every application of the word nest, except for the ones that you and I are familiar with. It's just amazing. The word nest has been commercialized, co-opted, to take away its emotional impact, to take away its life-giving impact, and it's been commercialized, marketed. It's amazing, just amazing. And uh, today on Viewpoint, we have a special guest who's joining us. It's been a long time since Jim Burns has joined us here on the, on the program. He's written a book called Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. And uh, Jim, what kind of an empty nest are you talking about? Certainly you're not talking about the kind of empty nest that Google is talking about. 
Well, I'm actually talking about the empty nest that's happening in millions of homes around mm-hmm. America and really around the world. And that's when those adult kids, and I'm putting quotes around that, Chuck. We've talked about that before, uh, <laughs> putting kind of quotes around adult children. But right. uh, when, they, when they flee the home and all of a sudden you find yourself, and you could be single in the empty nest or you could be married, right. and uh, you find yourself uh, trying to decide what am I going to do with the rest of my life and uh, how, do, how do I reinvent my life because pretty much we had spent you know several decades of our life focusing on these kids and and now they're gone that doesn't mean we're not the parents and it doesn't mean we're not dealing with them but it does mean that um you know it's quieter in that house and uh, a lot of people actually don't find much joy in the empty nest because they get what we call the empty nest syndrome and they they get depressed or they get anxious or they they really say what do i do now i've kind of spent the important part of my life and what i'm trying to say is hey games are won in the second half and so in the second half of life, you can do more and uh, greater things sometimes than you can in the first, along with managing your relationship with your adult children. If you have the vision for it, and that would yeah. also include your spouse, uh, the vision exactly. for your spouse. And yeah. I think it's terrifying to many uh, women, especially women, uh, what am I going to do when our children are long around, no longer around? Uh what, what is my relationship with my husband going to be like? Right. We just don't seem to have it together. Isn't that one of the great fears? No, I think it is. That's what I heard over and over again while I uh, talked with people and did focus groups and read, read on that a lot of times, and you're exactly right, it's, you know, more women. There are men who surely had this feeling too, but a lot of women are saying, uh, wow, I don't have much relationship with him because I put all my, you know, energy and effort with the kids Mm -hmm. and he was busy at work or whatever it is. And, you know, they're oftentimes busy at work, but yeah, no, I think you're exactly right that, uh, it, it comes down to how do I kind of reinvent myself? And one of the things I'm saying is, Hey, you know what, when your kids leave home and their life fills up with fresh experiences, then you got to follow that lead. And uh, some aren't doing that. And that's why, uh, when you look at divorce statistics, Chuck, uh, you know, the only demographic where it's growing, rapidly is in the 50 and over. And I think it's because people aren't willing to do exactly what you said at the beginning of this broadcast and put some intentionality into it and say, no, you know what? We, we can do this and we can have a great life, but you do have to take energy and, and pay attention to it. And you really have the time to do it or your life's going to just fill up with other stuff. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to be miserable. Right. Uh, it takes as much energy to be miserable as it does to be happy in really? an empty nest. Really? Okay. Well, I think that's a truism. So, Jim, you're out there in Southern California. Uh, Lord, forgive you for all of those experiences that you're putting up with out there. Uh, And I spent 30 years of my time there in Southern California. In fact, uh, I taught school for nine years and uh, went to Azusa Pacific University for four years and uh, went to law school and then practiced law for 20 years. And one of the things that I discovered, and you were talking about divorce, the numbers were amazing. Right about seven or eight years was the first prone to divorce. Then along about 15 to 18 years, the next prone to divorce, and then about 30 years, the next 
prone to divorce. Well, isn't that right about the time when the empty nest strikes? Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, that took me by surprise when I started reading some of the research that you just mentioned. Uh, I figured, hey, in the end, and I think my wife and I, we've been married 48 years, but, I, but what happened was... Well, wait a minute. You know, are, you, said, are you trying to compete with us? I'm sure I am, but okay. I don't think I can. No, you lost the bat. You, you lost the battle. <laughs> we, just, we just completed 56 years. Well, that's amazing. And your voice sounds a lot better you know, younger than mine. So that's, you know, the issue. But, but you know, it, it shocked me that uh, there were so many divorces taking place. And then I realized, no, that makes sense. People have been putting their energy and effort into their kids. And then as the kids, you know, left the home, they, they didn't have anything left. But that doesn't mean they can't rekindle that uh, relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, marriage in the, in the second half is, is good. And, uh, you know, it's about staying in love by falling in love over and over again. And uh, yet it does take that energy and effort. And when people put the energy and effort in, we see the joy. When they don't, we don't. It's interesting because periodically my wife comes directly to me and she says, this is the best season of our life. Mm-hmm. And what, is, what does she mean by that? She means that we have accomplished what many seem not to be able to accomplish. Uh, in this empty nest uh, period of time. And we're finding meaning, we're giving, we're, uh, we're sharing, we're doing all kinds of things. By the way, forgive my slowness. Uh, COVID has impaired my mind here a bit today. So you'll forgive me for that. So anyway, uh, there is hope. And my wife is expressing that continually in our own marriage. We'll be right back after this, friends, with our special guest, Jim Burns, finding joy in the NBA. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, we're taking a look at a subject that is more about our emotions, our relations with our families, our purpose in life, rather than dealing with the politics of our time. We can't do very much about all those political shenanigans out there. But what we can do is make a difference with regard to the nest that God has given to us we can actually recover, restore the empty nest syndrome for the glory of God. You believe that? You believe that, Jim? Oh, I absolutely believe that. Um, it's funny, I got so carried away with what you're saying, I was thinking you were talking just to the listeners, but you're, you, I, I believe that with all of my heart. And in fact, I think you know sometimes we, we get so frustrated, as you've been saying, with what's going on in our country, and, and we get so frustrated with the silliness and the craziness, but we sometimes can't do, we get so paralyzed with that, that we, we think we can't do something with our empty nest or with our family, mm-hmm. and we can't. 
And, and I see that happening with people who are making really good decisions. I was just talking with a woman who was just entering the empty nest, and she said, you know, I, I cried for about a week when my, kid, my last kid went away. And uh, then I said, what can I do with my life? And so she ended up volunteering for a, uh, an organization that works with uh, families who are needy in Africa. Hmm. And she raised a million dollars in one year. Wow. And she, this is not, she wasn't getting paid for this. She just did it out of her love for God and her, her – well, she was thrilled. She said, I had time. The time I was putting in with my kids more day-to-day, I uh-huh. couldn't. So I decided I was going to do something else. And here was a woman who invested back into uh, – a really important issue, and and she found fulfillment in this, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that. Well, there is a place of fulfillment. Uh, We have to make the choice. If we will make the choice, God will help us accomplish the purpose. But we have to to choose. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, you know, and and I think God's plan for us is to have great purpose in the... uh, in the second half. In fact, I like to say, talking about sports, you know, uh, games are often won in the second half. I mean, right. almost always. And I think a lot of times God prepares our first half, and it's busier, and it's a little crazier sometimes. You know, for the second half, where where he can really help us have a more purpose-filled living. And in the midlife, if we can figure out how to do that, you know, we set the world on fire, and we're used by him in some great ways. Yeah. Well, interestingly, in the sports field, we know the, the games are often won in the second half. Yep. That's what makes the game extremely exciting. Because that which was humdrum or seemed to take one trajectory in the first half, now all of a sudden is presenting a new picture, a new trajectory. And if we only had the vision to see what God could do, with our own lives, our marriages, and so on, yeah, it would make a huge difference, I think. Yep, I, I think so. One of the phrases I use in the book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest, is significance and a well-lived life are mm-hmm. not accidental. And that's what you've been saying right. you know, all along here, is that it's just, yeah, we can have significance, we can have a well-lived life, but it's not accidental. It's gonna, we can't just do it by circumstance and chance. We, we really need to focus on it. And in doing that, um, the first place to focus is what you've been saying. I think we focus on uh, God's plan for our life, and right. and we can do more listening. You know, in the in the empty nest, I personally have done much more listening to God. I've kind of found my thin place between heaven and and uh, and earth. And you know where it is? It's the chair in my living room because I don't have anybody interrupting me early Wait in the morning. I, I take... thought your thin place was on top of your head. <laughs> That's there. But I, I found that a long time ago. <laughs> but, but the thin place between <clears throat> heaven and earth oftentimes I think is in our quiet moments. And I mm. pull out my Bible and I pull out my journal and, you know, we go to work. And every day isn't this amazing moment of, uh, you know, just experiences. But you know what, doing it over and over and over again, what I've found is that that's, it's really helped me uh, find, you know, deep joy. And many times it's where God whispers to me, you know, Kathy, my wife, you know, she she could use, you know, a, a, some affirmation today or she could use a little something. Or Wait a minute, uh, your your wife could use that sometimes? Just, just sometimes. Well, my wife's name is Kathy as well. So, uh, it looks like that's something unique to Kathy's. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think it's unique to most everybody's spouse, male and female. <laughs> but um, but I, I didn't realize your wife's name is Kathy. So we got we got that in common too, as well as yeah. being uh, graduates of Azusa Pacific. 
Yeah, that that's and Southern California boys. Itself. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to the empty nest, you will either reinvent yourself, or your life will reinvent you. Yeah. I like that. Now here's yeah. the book, friends. Finding joy in the empty nest. Discover purpose and passion in the next phase of life. $17 will put the book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for posting and handling. We'll get the book in your hands and you will not be disappointed. By the way, I need to do a little housekeeping interlude here. Jim, uh, we have a very special breakfast coming up on August 13th in Massachusetts, and uh, this is the last day to sign up. This is the last day, friends, to sign up. So, Please seize the moment. Go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Go to the home page there and click Viewpoint Breakfast and sign up. Or you can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and sign up that way. But don't lose out. This is a tremendous time together. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jim, I want to uh, do a, a little bit of uh, reconnoitering here. Uh, you mentioned that we have you know, a fair amount of things in common there with Southern California. And uh, you graduated from APU, and uh, I graduated from APU. Um, who was the president when you graduated? Uh, his, uh, my, pre- my president was the same one as your president, uh, Wonderful man. <laughs> I'm trying to think of his name, and I don't have COVID here. And, but it. Uh, Are you sure? Uh, seriously. Yeah. Um, oh, he was wonderful. He. Yeah. He. Oh my gosh. I, I know who you're talking. I'm looking at his face right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna was come. A, a wonderful person, and uh, those were the days. Yep. Those were the yep. days, my friend. Now. Yep. What are you doing there now? Well, actually, I am a proud alumnus, but I'm not really involved in the school very much anymore. Uh, I'm keeping busy at Homeward, and Homeward has four values, strong marriages, confident parents, uh, healthy leaders, and empowered kids. So we're putting our energy there, and I'm about an about a hour away. So I get up there, I speak sometimes for them, but Homeward, uh, the organization, I know that they use some of our material, but I'm not connected in an uh, official capacity, if you would. Reminds me of that song, Homeward Bound. I wish yep. we were Homeward Bound. Maybe that's what yeah. inspired you. Um, <laughs> but that, that ha- also has uh, to do with the empty nest or the nest, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Okay. So what do you see? I need to ask you this question. I uh, observe, I study what's going on in the church. I study what's going on in Christian education, I keep track of this, and it's very distressing, very distressing. Are you finding things distressing 
as to what's going on even there with our alma mater? Well, I think it's a parallel journey for me because I I see some just craziness within the church um, where you're going, tell me what is going on here. And then I also see some really great things happening. And, uh, you know, I have a deep concern, as you would, for millennials and Gen Z, Uh because I honestly think that these are amazing young people who, uh, unfortunately, are kind of walking away from church. And uh, well, they're and walking I think, away from God. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, and they have some interesting views. They've been taught such things that are so interesting. One of the big distinctives for this generation is that they view tolerance as a form of loving, and they can't understand that you can have a, a biblical worldview and still love someone who might not agree with you. And well, so there's some pretty interesting conversations around the table with you know mom and dad when they you know were raised in the church. They have for some reason left the church, they've strayed, they've drifted, um, and then they have some views that the church is not loving because we might have the view of Jesus on certain issues or whatever, and, I, and that saddens me because I think in, in, that the church is loving. I think you can be loving and still hold to a biblical worldview, right. and so that's one of my big concerns because what I see happening is that it's kind of getting, the, for the next generation, if we're not careful, uh, we're going to water down the true, the truth of God. I think it's and, already happened. Yeah. Uh, no, right I think now there's a major insurrection that's going on in at Seattle Pacific University in Washington. Yeah. Huh. And uh, there, the students have engaged in an uprising against the president, against the board of directors, demanded their firing. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they refuse to accede to and submit to the LGBTQ agenda. Yeah, yeah. This is pretty. This is pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, and you're seeing. I don't. I'm not aware of what's happening there, but I. I am concerned about what, where, where, various uh, views that would go, you know, against scripture, um, mm-hmm. are entering into the church, and you know, the church has to stand for truth. But they, I'm just saying, they can still do it in a loving way. Right. Um, and it's, even when you're talking about that particular agenda. Uh, my good friend Jim Daly, who's the president of Focus on the Family, you know, he he reached out uh, not too long ago and just asked if he could have coffee with a person who's pretty vocal about anti-church and is uh, a man married to another man. Mm. And the man said, "Well, I've never, I've really never met with someone who's, you know, a, a believer, and I don't want to get yelled at and I don't want to get screamed at." And he said, "No, I just want to have coffee with you." And he ended up having coffee, and you know what? It was a wonderful thing. He said, "Wow, you're you're." different than I thought. He didn't change, Jim didn't change his viewpoint of biblical Christianity. He just simply, you know, put his hand across the table and said, you know, you're, you're somebody I'd like to get to know. And I think that's something that we can do by, but still staying strong. And, uh, you know, unfortunately those young people, they, they have, uh, not been taught even at home, some of the biblical values and, we always talk about sex education, that the, you know, the, the way to do that is to have value-centered, positive, biblical-centered sex education that's done at home. Kids are less promiscuous, they're less confused, but it's not being taught. Well, it's the same thing, I think, with some of the uh, morals and values of Scripture. So these well-meaning kids who have passion, let's help them understand that really what the Scripture does mean, and then let them have some passion toward you know, biblical principles as opposed to going against them. Well, that, unfortunately, has created a horrific gasp, a gap yeah. between parents yeah. 
and uh, kids during this period of time when you're supposed to be finding joy in the empty nest. Right. No, exactly. In fact, it's I spoke last year. It's unbridgeable gap. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're, you, well, when you say it's unbridgeable, I, I hear that. But I do think that when both parties are willing to kind of listen, uh, you know, they can come to some census. Uh, who, wasn't it uh, 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 one of the great uh, folks from England who said, you know, when they're younger, they're liberal, and then they move and more, move toward being conservative when they're older? Well, <laughs> You know, maybe there's some hope with the, these uh, with these kids. Uh, as long as they see us being faithful to our call, they respect that. Uh, if they see us being faithful to the call, yeah. as long as we're not uh, being mean spirited in it to them. Yeah, I and, uh, I do not see them being respectful to that. Yeah, no, not. not now. But I do I do see that that could happen. I still, you know, I'm one of these positive guys, Chuck, to still see that you know in in certain families and certain life that that can. You know, take place. I, you know, our daughter went to a secular university. Two of them went to Christian universities. One went to a secular university, and she Which got was worse. Uh, well, she actually the Christian schools were good. I mean, my girls are in, are in their late thirties, so it wasn't some of the things that you're you know probably seeing now. Right. But you know, it was a good experience for those girls. But with the secular university, oh my goodness, she got some, you know, some wild and crazy things. She, it's taken her. She's thirty-two. It's taken her over ten years to pretty much have to debunk that stuff. But that takes patience. It takes conversations. Mm. I, you know, it, and, you know, I used to say unsolicited advice is taken as criticism. So I would give her some advice, and she'd go, Dad, I'm not looking for your advice. I'm an adult. You know, but the, as long as I stayed with her, and as long as I wasn't just a one-topic parent and whatever, I just watched her move. And, you know, the fruit now doesn't fall far from the tree, but it's taken... 12 patient years and you know you were talking about me not having a lot of hair on my head now well, well that, you know, that I think is it, what caused the hair to lead in the first exactly <laughs> you got it all right <laughs> we'll be right back there is so much more about chuck chris meyer and save america ministries on our website saveus.org for example on the front page are two great videos first an interview and discussion of chuck's book out of egypt Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Midlife meltdown or purposeful living? Hmm. We don't need any meltdowns. We do need some purposeful living, and that is where the joy comes. Joy, weeping may endure endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. In other words, there's a place of patience, and we have to wait for that joy, that place of joy to come. Our special guest today, Jim Burns, with his book, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. Discover purpose and passion in the next phase of life. $17 will put the book in your hands. I, 
we wanted to encourage you with something a little different today, something that you can do something about. You can't do anything about what's happening there in Washington for the most part. You can't do anything about what's happening in Russia for the most part. But you can do something about what's happening in your own backyard or in your own home, in your own nest. And so that's why we're focusing on this here today as a point of encouragement, as a point of uh, building us up in our most holy faith to become doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. We want to live faithful lives. Faithful lives. And I know that's what you wish. Finishing well. Finishing well. I'll tell you, Jim, I, don't, I uh, have always loved track and field. Uh, from the time I was in uh, grade school, uh, through junior high school and uh, high school and so on, track and field was the big deal for me. So last week, last two weeks, we had the World Games. They were up there in Eugene, Oregon, where the world-class people were gathered together to run their race. It was so encouraging to me to see how they ran their race. They didn't give up. Even if they didn't win, they didn't give up. They believed that they there was value in finishing well. Yeah, yeah you're right. We actually have uh, our neighbors literally directly across the street. Uh, two of the four kids were in those games. Really? And, uh, yeah. And uh, one came in eighth. Uh, so they did amazing for the for the United States. And uh-huh. uh, one actually made it to go on down to Peru and was unable to because she wasn't willing to get a vaccine because of some health issues. Right. And unfortunately was was not able to, to go. And I just saw her the other day and waved to her and thought, boy, she'd be having a different life. But, you know, those kids, and they are kids, they are, you know, mm-hmm. they're both in college, they have worked so hard. And sometimes you do have to roll up your sleeves um, for them to finish as well as they have. And, uh, you know, they're not done with their beautiful athletics. But, you know, Paul said something fascinating to Timothy. He said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And the term discipline actually is more of an athletic term. And I think we can learn a lot about that, that, you know, our Christian life is, yeah, we're saved by grace, but there's some discipline to this if we're going to finish well. And uh, it means making sure that our top priorities are, are that we're living out those top priorities. Um, and I think your analogy about running is a really good analogy because we've been running uh we've been running a marathon not a sprint exactly and, so and i think for a lot of us you may yeah. obtain yeah yeah exactly so run and that I, you may obtain yeah no exactly and i think for a lot of us and i don't think it's just for people who are in the empty nest but you know I, if you would have said to me um 25 years ago hey let's start talking about finishing well i was just trying to get by thursday because my kids were in the, in the house and, you know, life was going fast and furious. But now I'm saying, no, I want to finish well. And what do I do to finish well? Those are important questions for the empty nest. And, and there are good answers, too. And, in fact, Scripture tells us some great things. But 
the point being is that it's time for us to, to say, if I'm going to finish well, what is that going to look like? And what's it going to look like with my marriage? What's it going to look like if I'm single? What's it going to look like uh, with my kids? What's it going to look like with my faith? What's it going to look like with uh, so many aspects of life? And, you yeah. know, we roll up our sleeves and we, and we discipline. Yeah. There is so much that the Apostle Paul uh, taught us about through athletics, uh, so run that you may obtain. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, don't give up. Yep. Never give up. Right. And yet so many people are facing things like in the uh, empty nest uh, period of time, and they've seen it coming. They've been terrified of it but they've made almost no preparation for it. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, that was another thing we saw well, in our focus groups is that people said we were not ready for the empty nest. We didn't, we were just, we had our head down, we we're still trying to get our kids out of the house, and, and when it happened, we were not prepared. And I think so. I think even some of your your listeners who are even younger than the, living in an empty nest, you know, it's time to start thinking about that. But then when you then by the time you get there, you know, you're a little bit more well prepared, if you would. And, you know, what I found, one of the things, and there's a beautiful scripture it's in Hebrews 12, which, you know, talks about that exact thing. Right. Um, but in Hebrews 12, you know, I, I learned some things. One was, you know, I was to learn, I was to learn from other runners. And, you know, in that Bible verse, it says such a great cloud of witnesses. Uh-huh. So I needed to have people around me who could speak into my life. I needed to run light, meaning I had to throw off some, uh, some of the things that hinder us. And uh, I love what Peter Drucker, the management guru, says, first things first, last things not at all. And for me, this was a time, the empty nest, and we did empty nest eight different times because our kids boomeranged, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but, but honestly, for us, I, I had to realize, no, first things first, and then last things, maybe not at all. And, and learn how to, you're talking about this, you summarized it so well. We have to run with perseverance, um, the race marked out for us, and it takes perseverance. So this is not a, a, a dash to the finish line. It, it literally, you know, we have, to, we have to do it the right way, and it takes some, what you know, today's world calls grit to make that happen. Well, but like when we keep our eyes on the prize, we win. Mark for yeah. the prize of the high of God in Christ Jesus. All yeah, of these I, are athletic metaphors to help us understand. Paul understood this Christian life is not an easy day for a lady, so to speak. It's uh, something that has to be, uh, we we have to take it seriously. We have to focus. We have to prepare. We have to uh, be diligent, as you said, and disciplined. So that's true even with the so-called empty nest syndrome. And you said your empty nest syndrome did the whammy to you like a boomerang eight times. (laughs) What is that all about? Well, one of the things was our daughter, Christy, and her wonderful husband, Steve, and our two grandkids, they came, they moved back from Texas and they were supposed to get into a house. And because of the pandemic, the people wouldn't move to the house that they were going to, they'd already packed up from Dallas and got here. So they said, can we, can we stay at the house for a couple of weeks? And oh. the couple of weeks le- turned into 15 months uh, okay. because even the courts weren't going to allow – they were just going to let these people stay there. So they, they did. So 
we had more than a, uh, I mean, it was, it was not even close to an empty nest because we had, you know, fun and chaos and, and joy and, uh, it was great. And, and Kathy and I, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, what we found with that time was that actually that was a beautiful time because Kathy and I had kind of prepared it because in the empty nest, we said we want to be available to our kids if that's something that mm-hmm. can be done. And we sort of, you know, co-opted even hanging out with the grandkids those days, and they were beautiful. Well, what They're, if your children we, don't want you to be available to them? Yeah. You know, that was one of the questions I got. Last Thursday, I was speaking at a very large church called North Point uh-huh. um, Church, Andy Stanley. And the amount of people who came up afterwards and said that we were, I was talking about doing life with your adult children, which is another book I wrote. And the amount of people who, who came up and said they were so broken, Chuck, tears in their eyes saying, my, my kids don't want me to take my grandkids to church. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it was, I, I just, I was so aware that it was kind of one after another talking about some of that. And uh, I, I tried to give them hope, too. I tried to let them see that, no, there, there's going to come a time where we still have to be the, the big-time cheerleader because those grandkids are going to grow up or the parents are going to finally decide that, no, it's okay for, to go to church with grandma and grandpa. Um, but, you know, we do have to uh, walk that, those, you know, that path very carefully. But, yeah, I think it's hard. But I think we'll, we, we honor our kids if they don't want us to do something like that. So I don't think we sneak them to church, but you know, we can also stay in great relationship, even if they're long distance, you know, it's this amazing thing called the internet. You can, you know, you can do FaceTime and you can do things and you can send inspirational quotes. And they, you know, I sent a quote to somebody just recently who's not a Christian and, but it was a proverb, but I just didn't say where I got it. And uh, he said, this is great. Do you have any more of those? Like, Oh, I got a whole book of them. You want me to uh-huh. want me to send you a book? And I, and I laughed cause I, then I had a little paperback book of just, you know, the, the 31 chapters of Proverbs, and I sent him the book. And he said, this is great. Thank you so much. And I think it, you know, I, it, that people are open to it as long as we're not super ugly about it, um, but we have to be really careful. Well, what does it mean to be really careful? Does what, it mean to I think, compromise and no. not, not tell the truth? No, I, I think it means to be loving in the midst of standing firm with your beliefs. And so, and, and it's really, it's a, it's a tough dance. I totally admit it, but I honestly believe that um, even with people who, who we think have a almost an opposite belief of us, sometimes I don't know that they've thought through that as much. So they're just taking the winds of the culture and it's the only thing they know. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we try to shove it down their throat, I never saw Jesus doing that. I didn't see Jesus. I saw Jesus spending time with sinners um, I saw Jesus, you know, speaking and actually even loving sinners, but he, he he didn't agree with them. And so I think it's key for us if we're going to reach out to even our own families sometimes to uh, be the babysit. Offer if you're if they're in the areas and we're in the empty nest, you know, offer to babysit even if they don't believe what we believe. Be the people who um, send those birthday presents to those kids. It's not their fault that their parents have you know kind of strayed away. And, um, and really keep on loving them. How do you rekindle romance in the empty Have you ever considered what the early church was like? 
Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friends. We're talking with our special guest, Jim Burns. It's been Quite a few years since he has joined us here on the program, but it's kind of like uh, a brotherhood, renewed friendship, fellowship, and uh, it's like time never, never elapsed, and uh, that's that's a wonderful thing, Jim. So here's your book, uh, your empty nest marriage, finding joy in the empty nest. Now, by the time the empty nest comes around, an awful lot of both men and women have come to the place where there's nothing left in the sexual department, and uh, there seems to be almost nothing left in the romance department. Why is that? I think we've gotten lazy because I find that a lot of times we, we start because maybe we're busy. And so we, you know, we just stray away from the basics, which actually has romance. And, you know, God created our physical relationship. And so in that beauty of that, and even in the beauty of the pleasure, why we would not do that, I'm not sure, but people do it all the time. So we, we drift, we, we stray, we drift. And then um, next thing we know, we're kind of lost. And the beauty of that is what I'm finding with people in the empty nest is when they, they can reboot that marriage. And they can reboot their romance. Um, and yeah, they're going to, you know, it's kind of been a theme of our conversation. They can kind of roll up their sleeves to do that. But, you know, one lady said to me, look, at I'm in the empty nest. We're starting to date again. And we're bringing back romance. And my husband, who had been pretty much unromantic for many years, you know, he's coming back. And how good is that? So, I, well, you know, that, that's, that, that's that excites me. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, maybe I'm this romantic guy, but I honestly think that, the empty nest can be some of the greatest times of romance and some yeah. of the greatest times of marital intimacy, but it's not going to happen if we don't put the energy into it. If we just put, you know, we, we're in an empty nest. So, you know, we work harder or we, you know, we just don't connect. I mean, intimacy really means connection. Well, you can't have a good marriage if you're not connecting on not just a physical level, but on an emotional level also. And in fact, one of the things I say is that a mo, mo you perceive physical intimacy should be preceded by emotional intimacy. And that's hard sometimes for us men to understand, but you know, women get a little better, but emotional intimacy is something that you can work on in the empty nest. You have more time. Uh, one friend of mine said he was really growing in his, in fact, he was a, uh, a leader at Azusa Pacific and he said he was really growing in his relationship with his wife. I said, what's the answer? He said, well, we're taking our dog for walks and we're talking. It's just a unending <laughs> conversation. I laughed. I went, 
and he had gone for counseling and he had spent thousands of dollars. I said, I could have told you that for a taco and a diet Coke, <laughs> but you know, wonderful. They're, they were, they were coming back. You can reboot. There is hope. And you say, well, you know, I don't know there, there is with that guy, or I don't know there is with that woman. Well, you know what? I think there is. I, I think whatever started this uh, spark so long ago can be uh, stirred back up. You know, a woman once said to me, uh, unattended fires soon become nothing but a pile of ashes, but you can stir up some ashes and the fire comes back so many times. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not about sex per se. It's about intimacy and it's about relationship. It's about, what should we say, the closest, the closeness that is required to have that meaningful relational connection. And you have to facilitate that. It doesn't just happen. No, you're exactly right. And you, and you know, you've written and spoken on this often, but even in the book, I talk about some of the hindrances. We did a survey with Homeward, the organization I work with, and we do refreshing your marriage conferences all over the country. And so we asked people, you know, what are the top killers of passion and sex? You know what the number one one thing was? Exhaustion and stress. Uh That was the top one. Second one was lack of physical affection, flirting, intimate conversation. Well, that means that somebody's not leaning into that because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're not, you know, flirting with your spouse, that's legal, by the way. Um, and if you're not offering physical affection, that's not just sexual, but just physical affection, or you're not having intimate conversations, guess what? Nobody's going to want to be, you know, physically intimate. And, uh, and I found that for a lot of people, the third one was too much to do and too many things left undone. You know, we don't talk enough about this, but, you know, there's a difference between being fulfilled in life and being overly busy. And, and I think overly busy people are oftentimes broken people. Mm-hmm. I see that in my own life, that... I, I don't, if I'm overly busy and I can get that way, that's a problem I have. I, then I'm, I'm giving Kathy just my emotional scraps or I'm giving my kids my emotional scraps. Well, what we found was that when people were overly busy, they were dangerously tired. They weren't really feeling ready for, you know, as much romance or even the physical intimacy that you want. And sure, there's other things, negativity, constant criticism. That was one of them. But, you know, there's answers to those things and uh, they're not always easy answers. I'm going to throw uh, well, out, maybe they're easy answers. They're not simple to do. I'm going to throw out one that I don't think is in your book, and that is the lordship of television. Exactly. No, that's the distraction. I talk about that all the time. That you know, tell it could be television, it could be social media, it's that telephone. Right. Um, no, the amount of time that we spend in America being on, and what's funny is we say TV, but even a younger generation, they say, well, I don't watch any TV. Well, yes, you do. You watch, you're on Netflix all the time. That's, you know, the same kind of thing. That, that, that does not enhance, um, you know, it's fine to, to watch a program and things like that, but it, over commitment on that does not enhance the relationship. And, yeah. yeah. So I'm hearing more and more people say, you know, if you don't throw it out, just put boundaries on it like crazy. Of course, we need to do that for our kids, or they're, you, you would never allow your kids, I hope, uh, when they're younger, to just have total access to the Internet and total access to porn and all that kind of stuff. But we have total access to something that might not be porn, if you would, but it's, you know, getting it gets in the way of relationships. So, yeah, that's that's one of my high horse things, you can tell. Okay. Well, 
if you had to uh, bring one final word of uh, admonition to all of us concerning this matter of finding joy in the empty nest, what would it be? You know, it's it's actually a scripture that I'm I'm in my office and I'm going to turn to it because it, I just put it up in, in the scripture for me uh, one time when I was kind of thinking about it. And it's really positive and beautiful and promising. And, and it's not a scripture that I actually knew, Chuck. It was Isaiah 43, 19. It's in the message version of the Bible. So it kind of spoke in a different way, but it says, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. I love that scripture, but it says, "Be alert." You know what God? What's God going to do in your life? Be present. Um, I'm about to do something brand new, and I think in the empty nest, there's an opportunity to do something brand new, whatever that means. And uh, I don't think we. I think we sometimes forget about that. We just get in the drudgery of life, and we we need to be reminding that ourselves that God is in the work of and putting a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. And it doesn't mean he's going to take away all of our problems. It just simply means that he's going to walk with us through the valley of the shadow. And um, sometimes we, we do have some deep shadows, but the promise is, is that, you know, God's, God's present, and we've got to be alert about that, or we're going to miss out. Well, we definitely need a vision for hope. Yep. And uh, if we don't have hope, everything else disintegrates. Absolutely. If we don't have hope for our country, yep. our vision, our attitudes with regard to our country disintegrate. If we don't have hope with regard to our marriage, it begins to disintegrate. If we don't have hope with regard to our kids and grandkids, then it begins to disintegrate. If we don't have hope with regard to the congregation that we're involved with, then things begin to disintegrate. Hope makes not ashamed. And we need the biblical kind of hope that uh, enables us to seize the opportunities of the moment, to do that which God would call us to do, to be that which God calls us to be, no matter what the circumstances. We press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hope. I just think we need a heavy dose of hope these days. Well, I'm thanking you for doing that through Save America Ministries and all that you do, because you're doing that. You're giving us hope in the midst of a really crazy, weird world right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. the world's on fire, and we need people like you standing and saying, wait a minute, let's get some sanity in here, and you're doing it. You come alongside people. Even, Thank you. even speaking through the voice of uh, COVID here. <laughs> Absolutely. I thought you were going to have a, a brain fade here, and you didn't. You were uh, amazing during COVID. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Well, thank the Lord for patience with me. Yeah. All right. Wow. I want to make a book, your book available, Finding Joy in the Empty Nest. $17. We'll put it in your hands, my friends. It's on our website, saveus.org. SaveUs.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Hope. 
finding joy in the emptiness. There is hope for you in your emptiness, whether it's already arrived or whether it's on its way. Now's the time to prepare. Jim, your blessing. I appreciate it. Well, your same back at friend, you. Yep. Longtime friend. And uh, how are, what, what is your wife, Kathy, doing uh, with you these days? She's doing great. She actually has uh, been teaching a Bible study for 14 years uh, oh. on Tuesdays. And so she's busy prepping today right now. Okay. And uh, she is doing great. She just went through a cancer uh, time. She had breast cancer and it's been a year and she's doing wonderful. And because she builds her house on that rock, yeah. she, she didn't, she, she wavered a bit, but she, uh, mm. she did not, she did not break. And, uh, mm. she's better on the, on the outside of it. And she talks about it. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of her. Well, thanks for sharing that with us because, yeah. uh, just because somebody comes on the air, uh, doesn't mean their life is perfect. Nope. Doesn't mean we're nope. not having our trials and tribulations. Yeah. You know, some people might think, well, here's a guy who has talked about COVID, has talked about the uh, horrific nature of the vaccines and so on, and now he has COVID. Well, the vaccine didn't give me COVID, and the vaccine actually could have given me a whole lot more than COVID. And so I'm delighted that I can endure and will endure all things, and will press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I trust that that will be the same for Kathy as she continues on uh, finding joy in the empty nest. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, All right, Again, Jim. thanks so much for what you do. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Okay. okay. God okay. bless. God bless. All right, friends. This is Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. All viewpoints determine destiny. They just do. No neutral viewpoints. Our viewpoint concerning our life, concerning our marriage, concerning empty nest, concerning the exigencies of life (coughs) that uh, come upon us, uh, they still... You see, they're they're there. Our viewpoint still determines destiny. So keep pressing on. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends, in your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879.